and welcome to a brand new edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. Uh, sports editor Austin Huff with you as always, and Go- Goshen News Sports reporter Evan Lee Pack joining us too. Uh, just the two of us this week. We had four people in here last week. Shout out. And Jimmy. my imaginary friend. Yeah. <laughs> so we had five. On uh, the mic. Shout out uh, Jimmy Arnett and Sean Behensky for coming on our podcast last week, giving us that referee's perspective. Uh, I thought it was a very uh, uh, engaging conversation, a very fun chat. Uh, Evan, would you concur with those assessments? I thought it was horrible, actually. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's Evan Lee back here. He's here all week, folks. So That was very engaging, very informative, and I felt like I found out a lot of the things that I've always kind of wondered. So that was cool. And I guess if I found that out, so did our listeners probably. So so it was, it was all around a good good episode, I think, to put out there. I agree. I agree. It was very informative. Feel free to check that out in the archives uh, from here. It it will hold up. You know, that information holds up probably over a year, couple of years. So if whenever you want to feel free to listen about the referee shortage, there's a good source of uh, entertainment there for you. But a little over an hour, but very, very productive hour, I would say, that we had. So It's an evergreen uh, podcast episode? Evergreen, yeah. It's, yeah, I would say it's evergreen type. I mean, hopefully the it's not evergreen in that in the sense that the referee shortage ends and that numbers go back up and we're good, you know, but uh, yeah. So it was a good episode. So this week we're, uh, we're not talking about referees, um, unfortunately. I know that's everyone... Loves talking about the refs, especially at games when they make bad calls. But mm-hmm. uh, we have Indiana High School Athletic Association sports to talk about. Actual sporting events happened for the 2022-23 sports season. They're here. Girls golf has started. Evan, get hyped. Are you hyped? Yes. You're like, you looked cross-eyed there for a second, actually. Because I was looking at the mic. It's a bad, uh, it's a bad, don't do that again. Your eyes might get stuck. Is that what your mom told you? Yeah. When you're a young child? When I was like six, yeah. You know, you know, roll the eyes to the back of your head, you know, thing. People can do that. Don't, you shouldn't do that. I can't do I it. I can't do it either. I've the, under, the Undertaker can. WWE Undertaker. He's retired though. He is retired. He's done. It's yeah, over. Finally. It took him long enough. He's an old man now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, girls golf, we're back. We are back and better than ever. So, something like that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the record, recorded this, you know, Tuesday afternoon. So, we've had one day of invites to kind of analyze and assess. Uh, let's start with our top returning team, the Northwood Panthers. New look, Northwood Panthers. New head coach, Kirsten Schrock, uh, 20 years old. And uh, new new starting lineup for the most part. Uh, freshman Sophie Richmond, she shot 82 yesterday at the Harrison Invitational. Uh, finished runner-up individually. So, good showing for the freshman in her first meet. I heard a lot of stuff about her, a lot of noise, a lot of hype for about her going into this season from uh, the Northwood Faithful. The whispers, you heard the whispers? The whispers, Sophie? yeah. My sources had told me, uh, watch out. Sophie Richmond coming up, and uh, you know, she showed out in her first day, so that's exciting, yeah. 381 for Northwood, not terrible, yeah. Considering- as a team, it's a, it's a tough score, but you know, you, you got to figure they're gonna get those numbers down throughout the year, you know. Yeah, I think that's a good like starting point. It's not great, obviously, 
But considering all they lost, new coach, first invitation of the season. Yep. I mean, and there's there's bright spots to look at there. You're playing against really good competition at a good course out in, in Lafayette. So, like, the fact that they played well. If you're hearing uh, sirens, by the way, in the background, the police, the fire trucks are running right by us. So our, there's a fire in Goshen somewhere. Our office backs up right to the uh, street. So Hopefully, actually, it's a false alarm. Yeah, hopefully, it is a false alarm. Someone just played a prank. They now, said, that'd, oh, be a bad. that'd be bad, but also good. Yeah, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, so Northwood did all right, you know, first day. They're currently playing as we speak um, in another Invitational over there in Lafayette area. So they make a couple long road trips this week. They go to – they have their home invite on Thursday. Then they go to – I think it's like uh, near the region on on Friday. And then they go down to Carmel on Saturday morning for the state preview meet. So they get – a lot of mileage in these first uh, week. We'll Adam, be there on Thursday for that uh, invite. Yeah, you will be Thursday. Northwood Girls Invitational, Girls Golf Invitational over at McCormick Creek. A lot of our area teams are in it. so I like McCormick Creek. It's a nice little course. It's not terrible. I've played it three times now this summer. so What's the one called that, that regionals were at this past month? The boys' regional? Uh, Swan Lake. Black Swan. Black Swan. Black Swan Lake. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, a nice course. That That's is a nice course. One. Yeah, Swan Lake uh, is where the boys regional is at. So, girls regional is at uh, Cobblestone. Haven't been there. In Kendallville. I'm assuming you have. I've been there every year for the regional, yes. How is it? It's a nice course. You compare it to Black Swan Lake? Swan Lake's another... It's probably nicer, but Cobblestone's mm-hmm. a nice course. Okay. So... Uh, yeah, so other area golfers got going as well. Northridge, shout out 394 at the Homestead Invite. That's another tough group of teams at that Invitational. Tough course over there in Fort Wayne. Um, freshman Alex Reshley, related to Brock Reshley. I assume sister. so, yeah. yeah. Yep, uh, shot a 97. So, But they didn't have Chris Dyer, it looked like, in the lineup. She's a junior returning state qualifier, so I don't know what the situation was there. But she did not play, it looked like. So, but I think she is playing currently as we speak in the Penn Invitational that they're at along with uh, Elkhart and Concord. So, it's like once once the girls' golf season gets started, it, there's no slowing down because no. it's only like a, what, a, a six week window or something. Pretty like much. That. I mean, the, the sectionals are mid September, regional, you know, late September, and the state finals is usually the first weekend of October. So, yeah, they got like six weeks of like meets, invitationals. They got to get done before the snow starts coming. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that's fair. Before it gets too cold and, and honestly, before it gets too dark at night, you know, you can't, if you're, if you're starting even a nine hole match at, you know, 430 and, but in October, the sun's out, sun's down by 730, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, you got a couple hour leeway there to play. So you gotta, they gotta play their season quickly. I've enjoyed this 930 uh, sunsets. Yep, no more. A little extra time. No more after, like, next week, basically. Dang it. Yeah, I've noticed it's getting darker a little sooner. Mm-hmm. We're still that. getting to, like, 9 o'clock. We're still getting about 9 o'clock sunlight, but for the most part, it is dark by, yeah. And then it'll be dark by 5.30 in December, so. Ugh. It'll just be dark the whole day. 
the sun will never come out. Because <laughs> it's like overcast and white and snowy usually, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's the winter. If that's I, the, if you I just remember, the winter, yes. If I remember correctly. Yeah, you've had two of them now. You've lived through, well, one and a half winters. One and a half winters. Oh, it was pretty bad when I first got here. Yeah, but you only got, you didn't get to experience November and December. November and December is still cold, but I don't think it snowed like a crazy amount during that time. It really picks up in like January and February. Yep. For whatever reason. Yeah. It tends to be where we get the more extreme potential. It's still cold. It's cold and snowy in November and December, but like the extreme cold or the extreme snow tends to come in January or February. So, uh, we'll stop talking about snow. Let's talk about more things that are happening right now in this. Let's Summer. talk about the greens. Yeah, the green. Uh, Goshen Girls invite yesterday. Mishawaka Marion won pretty convincingly, 369. Not a shock. Stop. Um, Goshen with a 418 to finish second. So Goshen's got an interesting roster this year. All their players, they don't have a big roster. They only have six players, but they all saw experience last year. And four of the five um, were they played the regional round. They, they qualified for regional last year, and four of those five from last year are playing it in the regional this year. So they are experienced players. Will that translate into an improved record, an improved season? Like, we'll see. You know, they still went 2-8 and eight last year in nine-hole matches and 0-7 and in conference. So, like, they weren't, you know, stalwarts of the NLC last year. But conference is a little bit of change, a little bit of uh, – not as daunting this yeah, year. Yeah, so maybe they can pick up a couple conference wins, and uh, we'll see how they do. So, um, yeah. And another NLC team, Concord, was there yesterday. Madison Weaver, she was third individual, 91 for Concord. Uh, she did well in the coaching debut of Ashley Hutchison, also from you know new, new Concord head coach, taking over for Tara Bossler. So, uh yeah, a couple new coaches, and then we had the big coaching news last week. Todd King leaving the Northridge Boys Golf Program to take over both Elkhart teams. Our guy. Yeah. Todd. So one of the one of the nicest uh, coaches to talk to. He is. Always very informative. Um, Elkhart only played two players yesterday. They have five on the roster, but a couple of them weren't uh, ready to play, I guess. They needed to get more 18-hole experience. They were a little... A little daunting of a task playing 18 holes, you know, for your first time ever. So they play. They have their two returning seniors play. Uh, their names are. I should have wrote their names down. I apologize for not writing their names down. It's like Savannah Crussmeyer and Natalie Ed Edmonth or something like that. It's hard to pronounce your last name. I, I spelled it, but I apologize for mispronouncing. Edmonth. Ed, yeah, it's like E D M I N T H Edmonth. I think that's Edmonds. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, Todd, you know, he coached at Elkhart Central when it was still existed, and then he coached at Elkhart Memorial when it still existed. Uh, he teaches at the Elkhart School District, so the move made a lot of sense to him to go. And it's just kind of kind of funny to, like, look at where he was at with Northridge Boys, and they were a really solid program, sectional champions, really good players, like Brock Reshley going to state twice. They were in a really loaded regional, and now he's taken over an Elkhart program that's pretty much starting from square one. Like he's got to teach, basically, like the basic fundamentals more than anything, you know, first, and then maybe try to like fine tune some things after that. So, I know there's there's a couple of decent golfers on the boys squad from I, I recall from last year. Yeah. So he's got something to work with there. 
at least. Yeah, he was talking about maybe, you know, their boys team could potentially maybe get third in the section. We'll get to regional potentially. We'll see, though. Uh, but that's obviously way down the road where girls golf just started. So, yeah, we probably have, more focused uh, on that right now. I have boys. a few more months to go before that. Yeah, yeah at least six. So, um, yeah, so girls golf will have our full season preview in the newspaper uh, Thursday. Thursday's newspaper will have the full girls golf season preview in that edition of the newspaper. So we have nine schools that we cover that are playing girls golf, um, which is actually the same as we had last year, uh, even though we've made some coverage changes. Segway, how about that? Um, If you maybe have missed the news, we are uh, changing some of our coverage. We have added Elkhart, Elkhart Christian Academy, and Jimtown to our new rotation of coverage area. We decided it would be smart to give full coverage to Elkhart County, given that we, uh, you know, just hadn't done that for a while. So I don't know the last time we officially considered Elkhart and ECA and Jimtown as part of our area, but it has been at least four years because I haven't ever claimed to cover them. But Works for me, given I live five minutes from Elkhart. Yes. And 15 minutes from Jimtown. Yes. It's nice. And ECA is not that far away from you either. Yeah, that's so, probably like 10 minutes. Right. So, uh, you know, and Elkhart and Jimtown and ECA, they play a lot of our teams already anyway, and they're in pretty much all of the sectionals that we cover to begin with anyway. Elkhart's always in the sectional with Goshen, uh, except for football. Um, but they're in 6A now. And But everything else, it's Elkhart, Goshen, Northridge, right? ECA is in every sectional with Bethany Christian, you know, down at the 1A level. And then Jimtown, depending on what classification and where they get sent, they're in most of our volleyball. They're in the uh, basketball ones. So, like, it's it makes a lot of sense to, you know, we're, we're adding more, yes, but we're not adding – we're not going out of our way necessarily to cover these schools. And I think it looks better to have the full county covered. And so we, we made that decision – as a group, it wasn't just me saying one day, oh, let's do this. I mean, we obviously had discussions uh, amongst all of our higher-up people, you and I, you know, and but uh, we figured it was time, and now we're back to covering the full county. So I, I'm very excited for this, actually. So, Are you uh, giddy, if you will? Giddy? Very giddy about it? Sure, I'm giddy. Just giddy about, you know, I mean... It does make sense. It's a new day for the Goshen News coverage, and it's very sort exciting. Of, sort of a new day, yeah. We're going back to the old days. Yeah, because in the past, I'm sure that the Goshen News definitely covered those schools. Yes, so. I've, I've seen some of our old season preview stuff that, you know, and we had Memorial and Central and Jimtown and ECA listed in there, so. What year was that? I don't remember. I, I know I've just looked through, like, just f- trying to search for people's names and like, oh, this random story from 07 popped up and there's Elkhart. Mm. And it's... So, we used to do it. But now we're back. So We back. And we back, yes. So, you know, check out for that. Check out that. So, Elkhart and Jimtown will be on our football preview tab coming out in two weeks. Uh, the, those three schools will be featured in our fall sports previews. We'll have more of their coverage. Um... You know, we're not going away from our bread and butter stuff, obviously. Like, we still have our core 
five or six schools that we'll focus on, but it's going to be nice to have Elkhart and ECA and Jimtown as part of the, you know, other schools that are kind of in our coverage area that we can, you know, latch on to basically when they make a nice run and something. Maybe grow our following a little bit as well. Yeah, and grow the following too. That's always fun. So if you're if you're an Elkhart or an ECA or Jimtown person and you're listening to this, you don't follow us on Twitter. TGN underscore sports is your place to go, and you'll be able to find my Twitter handle and Evan's Twitter handle in the bio of that Twitter account. So you can follow all three of us right there. Hit the Twitter. At Evan Give us M- the follow. At Evan MP Leepak. Yeah. At Austin underscore Huff TGN. I think that's my Twitter handle. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I'm just so used to, uh, you know, tweeting out whatever. So. Uh, okay, let's plug some more of our content. We have a lot of we've got a lot of great content coming up. We already talked about the previews, you know, girls golf this week, all of our other fall sports previews the week of August fifteenth to the nineteenth. But we got some good more. We got some good content coming out this week yes. and next week. Evan, what's what? What are you working on this week? Well, finishing up this week, I should say, finishing it up. Yeah, finishing it up. Uh, well, one of them already ran. Obviously, uh, the unsung we're doing unsung athletes, which is basically. Five, five of our schools at least, you know. I yeah. was I was unable to get everyone everyone this year, sadly. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, obviously the series, it's a series that kind of highlights one athlete from each school. We, we email all the athletic directors. We try to get some recommendations of an athlete that maybe doesn't get the credit they deserve. You know, they don't necessarily, I mean, some of them, fill up the stat sheet but most of them don't you know most of them it's it's just a full-on profile about what they do in school maybe that isn't in athletics either what their future maybe looks like future plans so we kind of try to highlight that and uh, Bethany Christian's Brees Erickson tennis baseball two-sport athlete his story ran yesterday uh, we have Lakeland's Mark Wells he played basketball and baseball. He's coming back to play football this year for his senior year, so he'll be a three-sport athlete. His story is running in the Wednesday tomorrow's paper. paper, which is Wednesday. And then we also have Northridge's Evan Carr, big piece to their state run this past season. He's going to Tryon University for football. Karis Bennett, Northwood, basketball and volleyball player. Learn, learn a bit, little bit more about her and her journey to this point, and then uh, also West Noble's Wesley Hilbish. He's in track. He also plays football as well, so he's a two-sport athlete. So, uh, yeah, look out for those. They'll be coming the rest of the week. Yep. Evan Carr on Thursday, mm-hmm. Karis Bennett Friday, Hilbish fr- uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's pretty cool. I wish we could have ran more, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So this is the third year we've tried to do Unsung Athletes. Uh, first two years we had one from everyone. This year we struggled a little bit, so it's uh, it's okay. Hey, we're still spotlighting some good kids, man. This is the whole point of the series: spotlight kids who don't get the spotlight often. And uh, you know, we're not trying to because you know we we write about the star athletes all the time, kind of like by default. You know, they're they're the star athletes, like they're going to be contributing in the big games and everything. So it's kind of nice to spotlight some of these kids who. You know, they do, yeah, they play sports, but they also do, they're all involved in everything, other things, or they're really good students, or whatever. So, it's it's a cool uh, cool little project that we've done for three years now, and uh, I enjoy reading the stories. I enjoy, you know, seeing what, and I'm, I'm excited to see the rest of your stories. So. And next year, it's going to come to a close. We're done with it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you don't know. <laughs> after, after, this, after this uh, experience. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll so, see. 
in the years past, we've split unsung athletes into, you know, I do half and Evan does half. But this year, uh, I gave them all to Evan because I'm working on my own stories, um, which will run the week after. So this upcoming week, August 8th through the 13th, 14th newspaper, uh, in honor of the 50th anniversary of Title IX passing, I am working on uh, stories related to some of the best female sports successes in our coverage area school's history. So there's nine stories running. Um, tried to get Lakeland taken care of, but that, that was a struggle trying to get a hold of the people for that. So unfortunately, the Lakeland story will not run. Uh, but we have nine of them coming out that week. So you're going to get about... You know, anywhere from one to three Title IX stories a day in the newspaper there. That's going to be loaded content for you guys. Um, here's a little sneak peek of what each one's going to be about. I know you're excited. Uh, Bethany Christian, going to write about their 1997 girls soccer team that won a sectional title in its second year as a program. Um, and then they won a couple more sectionals following that. So a little bit of talking about their early girls soccer success history. Uh, kind of coming out of nowhere, being a small program, winning a sectional in a one-class system. So there you go. Mm -hmm. uh, Concord, Diane Stevenson was the first ever female athlete in Indiana University history to receive an athletic scholarship. So 1977 softball. So that's really, that's like Title IX in its, in its core, you know, mm -hmm. right there. So that's history. Uh, she was a great conversation. Talked to her. Uh, looking forward to how this, that story will run. Uh, Fairfield, focusing on the volleyball team in the 2000s under Carla Hirschberger, went to state twice, won 13, or no, they won 10 straight sectional championships, went to state uh, finals twice, lost to Muncie Burris, who's a powerhouse. They've won, they literally won like 15 state titles in a row, like pretty much in volleyball. They were incredible during that run. So they lost to like the greatest program in the state history. So it's like, there's, there's not as much shame in that, you know, mm -hmm. like, but still incredible run that they went on, built the program out of nothing. They had only won one sectional before uh, that run they went on. So uh, kind of spotlighting that. Uh, Goshen, the 1999 girls golf team, got fifth in state at the state tournament. So a little spotlight on that team and how they were able to kind of become great. Northridge won the 1988 softball state title, uh, fourth year of the state tournament. So spotlight on that team. Annette Evans, Mental Attitude Award winner, only senior on the team. They were like 12 and 8 in the regular season, kind of got hot and made a run. And, you know, those kinda, are the best. Yeah. Uh, Northwood, Gina Yoder, she won the 1988 individual girls' golf state title. Uh, they didn't even have a team at Northwood. She actually played for the boys' team in the spring, and then she played in the tournament, like the IHSA tournaments in the fall. So, uh, and she won the state tournament in 88. So, that was another fun conversation. Uh, Wallace C. Tracy Rinker, she still holds the record for most individual gymnastics state titles. One, she won 10 individual uh, state championships, won all five competitions your freshman year, uh, the four, the beam, the bar, the rings, and the floor, right? Yes, something like that. Uh, and then, she, so she won the all-around too. And then she won a couple other individuals uh, her sophomore year and her senior year. She actually didn't compete at the high school level her junior year. So in the 15 different events that she competed in at the state tournament, she won 10 of them. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good track record. Uh, she still has the record most individuals. So uh, West Noble, focusing on their girls' cross-country teams of the late 90s, 
Maria Harriman. She was a Mental Attitude Award winner in 97, second individually. Actually lost to a girl from Westview who at first that year, I, her name escapes me and I apologize. Um, so, like, you know, that's kind of crazy. And NECC went 1-2 at the girls' mm-hmm. state cross-country meet that year. But then West Noble as a team got fifth. They believe it was fifth and fourth the next two seasons uh, at the state meet. So kind of talk about that program, what they did that stretch. And then finally, Westview focus will be on Skylar Carpenter, who won seven individual state track titles between 2010 and 2012, won three each her junior and senior year, just went into the Indiana Track Hall of Fame this past year, like, duh, obviously, fifth mo- tied for fifth most individual state championships in history. Uh, so talk to her about her career. Um, she wasn't even a hurdler her freshman year, and then she won – three straight 300-meter hurdle titles and two 100-meter hurdle titles. And she could have won it again her sophomore year, but she actually fell during the 100 hurdles at the state finals. So that's tough. But mm-hmm. she was, like, really close to three-peating in both events. So, yeah, she was a fun, fun interview. So, yeah, a little variety, you know, early 70s, some stuff from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, even early 2010s. Uh, so you got a little variety everywhere in there, and uh, I think it's going to be fun. I think these stories are going to be uh, – people are going to ex- be excited to read these stories about some of our greatest female sports champions of the last 50 years. So, I would hope so. You're doing a lot of work. It's a lot of work. About halfway through all that work. <laughs> going to be a sprint to the finish here this last week, getting the photos, our, our archived photos, uh, and things like that. So, yeah, it should be fun. So please read. Just – that'd be nice. Even if you just press it, you know, just, yeah, just, just give, give us it a, a click. click. Just give us a click. <laughs> that's all I care about. That's all the, that's all the bosses care about. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, we're about 26 minutes into this uh, episode, Evan. So it's time to wrap it. No, I'm just kidding. You want to wrap it up? We could wrap it up if you want. So we have, we had one other thing we were going to maybe like talk about for a little bit, just have some fun. But if, uh, if you don't want to have any fun, we can end the podcast right now. I mean, I'm kind of interested in yours. I'm kind of interested in yours, too. Probably, like... What are we talking half about? Half of ours is the same as far <laughs> as the coverage part. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, this past weekend, I went to uh, WWE SummerSlam. Very fun event in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. And uh, I watched Brock Lesnar drive a tractor and flip over the ring, like, during a match... And it got me thinking about, like, some of the craziest moments I've seen live as a sports fan. So I decided we're going to talk about that on the podcast today. Let's talk about some of the best moments we've seen live. It could be either as a sports... We have a couple, like, different lists we're going to do with this. Like, one as a sports fan, where we were, like, just a paying member of the the community. And then another one of uh, events we've covered you know, obviously we're journalists and we've seen a lot of crazy sporting events live, whether it be at the college or the high school level. Um, I've never covered a professional game, I believe, uh, a pro sports game. Um, Me almost, neither. Yeah. So this is uh, so a lot of college and high school stuff. So, uh, Evan, why don't you take it away? What are some of your – I wrote down a lot of stuff. I have some WWE stuff in here too because obviously the, the Brock Lesnar stuff uh, temp, you know, provoked me. To do this, think about this last night. We're trying to think of podcast ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, you go first. What are some of your favorite moments, games you've seen live as a sports fan? Mm. 
Hmm. I mean, I've just been to so many things and I can tell done so much stuff. It's hard. I mean, I there's probably plenty that I just wouldn't think about off the top of my head, but uh, a distinctive memory was from 2006, Florida's national championship year that they ended up winning. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, if this moment doesn't happen. They definitely probably don't go to the national championship. So it's big because of that as well. It was back in 2006 when Florida was playing South Carolina at home. Steve Spurrier, he made his return to the swamp. Wasn't his first one, I don't believe. But he was there for that game. Coaching South Carolina, obviously. Urban Meyer on the other side. But it it was a 17-16 game. Florida was the better team, but for whatever reason, you know, South Carolina stuck stuck with them the entire game. Had a chance to win at the end, a 48-yard field goal attempt from uh, Ryan Suckup, you know. Yeah, we, NFL kicker. Yeah, he's been with the Bucks for a while. Um, and thankfully, it was blocked. Jarvis Moss got his big mid up there, blocks the kick, and... Uh, Seals the 17-16 win. Obviously, we go on to go to the national title, SEC title, win that, national title, win that. So, I mean, it's a big moment. It's a big moment in that season. Mm-hmm. It's the loudest, arguably the loudest I've ever heard of the stadium. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I know it was only like it was 12 11 year old, years 12 old. 12-year-old Evan going crazy? Well, yeah, it was, it was insane. How about 48-year-old Glenn? Was he going crazy too? Actually, he was like 45 that time still. How was was you? Were you, were yeah, you there was with like your dad? 40, he was like forty four. Yeah, were you there with your dad? Who else was there? It was just me and him. Nice a little father son bonding moment. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. Crazy moment. That's a moment I'll remember forever. Is that the first game you ever went to as a fan? Like any sporting event? Do you remember what your first sporting event was as a fan? The first Florida game I went to was in two thousand one. I was like six. Mm-hmm. Well, that I remember. Yeah, at least. And it was the game nine eleven, the Florida Tennessee game. If Florida beats Tennessee, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna go to the SEC title and they're gonna go to the national championship or whatever. But Florida ended up losing. Like, it was in the 30s. It was a close game, but uh, yeah, that was unfortunate. Yeah, it's tough. Who was the running back for Tennessee at that time? I don't remember. I don't. I don't. I don't really remember much of early sports history that I, from my life at least. So, but I remember. He was the big thorn in our side that game. He had like a crazy game. Yeah. It was the biggest reason Tennessee won. But uh, number two, I put LSU Florida from 2018. This was one of the two most prominent games in my head as a student that I remember. There's this one and then the Auburn game from 2019. That was a top 10 matchup. But LSU is like in the top five, at least the top 10 in this game. Joe Burrow before Joe Burrow became Joe Burrow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of Joe Burrows. A lot there. of Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was at second row from the field. It was, it was a great vantage point. It was a cool. I just remember it being really cool because it was like one of the one of the first games I've ever been in the student section as a student. You know, right. growing up, always going to the games. You're like, wow, I, I want to be down there at some point. Yeah. So that, that was cool. And then. Yeah. And then you, you know, top it off with the fact that Florida ends up beating LSU. The pick six from Brad Stewart off of Joe Burrow to kind of seal things. Didn't seal things, seal things, because right. it was still an eight-point game at that point with like a minute 20 left. But all intents and purposes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that that was incredible. That's very fun. It was awesome. Awesome to be a part of. Um, And then I can also say the Bucks season last season. Multiple games. The the Bills game was great. The Colts game. Yeah. And the Rams game, even though they lost. Yeah. All three of those games were instant classics from NFL standards. And I was at all of them. So that was fun. Those are all cool experiences from last year. And then uh, an honorable mention is UCF Memphis for some reason. It was back in 2017. Yeah. The American Championship game, 62-55 in double overtime. I mean, that that's a game that, I mean, you're very rarely going to see something like that. Yeah. So. I feel like I remember you telling me you kind of like went there on a whim, basically. It was. Yeah, I don't even know. It was a cheap ticket. It was like 20 bucks. It was me UCF was like national champions that year. Yeah, supposedly. <laughs> so, yeah, it was me and a few friends, and we, we ended up going, and it ended up being a heck of a game. So That's so, great. A lot of good football memories there. So Yeah, I mean, been a good baseball games. I've obviously been to some good uh, college basketball games as well. Mm-hmm. But that's the stuff that kind of, you yeah. know. My first game ever was Cubs. It was a Cubs doubleheader, actually, at Wrigley. And I remember we went, we stayed for the first game, and then halfway through the second game, we, like, left because we were all exhausted. I, I was, like, heat. My brother was six. It was me, my brother, my dad, and my air quote uncle. We call him uncle, but he's not really my uncle, you know, by blood, you know. You know, you, you, got, you have anyone here that Damn. you call an uncle that's not your actual uncle? No. Maybe that's a Midwest <laughs> thing. I don't know, but... Uh, I have an uncle and an aunt that aren't my uncle and my aunt, technically, like by blood, but they're just what we call them. Family friends, huh? What? Family friends. Yeah, like my mom's best friend and my dad's best friend. They were my aunt and my uncle. So, Uncle Jeff. Are they married? No, they're not married. <laughs> no, that, <laughs> that would be something. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it was a Cubs doubleheader. Had a lot of, a lot of cotton candy. And uh, I remember the Cubs won the first game of the doubleheader, and then they were getting their bus kicked in the second game so we laughed it was like the sixth inning and as we were walking out Sammy Sosa had a home run and we could hear it like on the guys radios we were walking past the cars and I was like dang we missed Sammy Sosa hitting a home run that's so upset I was like he was like my hero when I was eight you know he was the man um you know before the word steroid ever came involved with him so how did uh, that make the the uh that's the memories. only memory of the games <laughs> I don't know no I'm just saying that didn't make my top I'm just saying like that's my because I asked you about your first game, so I'm trying to remember my first game. Uh, that didn't make my memory list. Um, one of my probably the best game I've seen live was Mizzou football. My freshman year in 2013, they beat Texas A&M in the final week of the regular season to win the SEC East, uh, 28-21. Henry Josie had a 60-yard touchdown run with three minutes left to take the lead, and then the defense made a big stop, and then offense kind of milked the clock. That was against Johnny Manziel when he had just won the Heisman the year before. So he was still the defending Heisman champion. I was uh, similar to your Florida 2018. I was front row. I painted up for the game. So we got my buddy and I, we walked up to the game and they were still needing two people to like paint up their, you know, for the front 50, like the first 50 people in the front row get to paint their bodies. And it's 40 degrees, by the way, it's freezing. And my friend looked at me, and he and I and we like we like made eye contact, and he was like, "If you do it, I'll do it." And I was like, "All right, let's do it." So we painted up, um, and you you know you're you're in the moment at the game, so you didn't really feel the cold as much. Uh, when we sat down at halftime, that's when I was like, "Holy bleep, it's cold!" <laughs> but uh, the Mizzou won. We rushed the field. It was awesome. You dropped your I dropped phone. my phone. <laughs> <laughs> the video somehow picked it's, it up. It's I, I know I boxed people like there's all thousands of people running behind me. I boxed everyone out. 
I picked up my phone before anyone could step on it because it fell right in front of me. Like, that was perfect. It was almost like I had planned it, like how it bounced. And I'm pretty sure you can hear you say, oh, I dropped my phone. Yeah, I, yeah. The video, there's a video of it on Facebook. Um, I'll share it when it pops up in my Facebook memories in late November. And then we went to that SEC championship game against Auburn where we lost 59-42 in like a crazy shootout game for the first three and a half quarters. And then Auburn, I'm sure you remember the name of the Auburn running back. Yeah, it's ingrained in my soul. Trey Mason yeah. and Nick Marshall's quarterback. So... They ran all over us. It's very sad. They played Florida State in the title game, didn't they? Yeah, you? and they almost won. Florida State won it late. Mizzou mm-hmm. would have been in the title game if they had won. If they beat Auburn, because Ohio State then lost to Michigan State. That's how Auburn got in the title game, because um, Ohio State was number two and they lost to Michigan State. And so Mizzou would have gone from five to two probably in the BCS standings and played for the national title. It's tough, isn't it? Tough. That close. That close. They at least lost Florida's by seventeen won a couple. points. At least though. Florida's won a couple. Well. It was 45-42 going into the fourth quarter. Like, we were right there. So, we just gave up two late touchdowns, two fourth-quarter touchdowns. Anyway, um, that's probably my favorite game as a student I've ever went to. Um, I got to see Devin Hester on a Sunday night football game against the Vikings. My first-ever Bears game, 2011. He returned uh, third play of the game. He caught a 55-yard touchdown pass from Jay Cutler, which was awesome. And then he returned a kickoff for a touchdown in the third quarter. So I got like the full Devin Hester experience live, which was awesome because that was our guy. That was my guy, you know, 2006, you know, breaking all the records as a rookie, the Super Bowl run, and in 07 he was great too. Um, so to see him kind of like have a great performance uh, was awesome. That night was also the last time uh, Donovan McNabb played for the Vikings. If you remember, he went to the Vikings late in his career. He was benched in the third quarter for Christian Ponder. So Poor Donovan. Yeah. Um yeah, and then I saw the uh, at a random Cubs game in 2012 when they were horrendous, I saw them hit an inside-the-park home run, which was kind of cool. So they won that game. They were terrible. It was September. They were playing the Giants, who were about to go win the World Series for the second time in three years. And they won. It was like you know like a 5-2 to two game or whatever. And I forgot who hit the inside-the-park home run. But it might have technically been like a double in an air or a triple in an air. But like spiritually, it's an inside-the-park home run, you know? So that was kind of cool. And we had really good seats for that one, too. Um, also saw John Lester pitch a one-hitter in 2016. That was really cool, too. Cubs won that game. And they were really – that was also September against the Giants. They were really good. Um, those are probably the three, like, sports moments live. And then my WWE moments, because I've had a couple of those. I'm just going to throw those in here. Evan's rolling his eyes. But I saw the debut of Sting in WWE at Survivor Series 2014 in St. Louis. He had wrestled in – uh, another rival company for like 25 years and at 30 years and it never no one ever thought he was going to ever go to WWE and then he showed up and we were there my friend and I were there that we the one I went to the SummerSlam this weekend that was amazing the crowd went ballistic and then I was at WrestleMania 33 when the Hardy Boys came back which was also a deafening moment at the Citrus Bowl 65,000 70,000 people um, and it went bad I almost said a bad word. Uh, crazy. It went crazy. Bat, poop, crazy. Um, <laughs> so that was really That's cool. Fun. And then, of course, like I said, start this Brock Lesnar flipping the ring on Sunday was amazing. Like, the visual of it is insane. What is the ring? The ring? The wrestling ring? Oh, the rink. The ring. R-I-N-G. The ring. Like, the big ring, and then he took a tractor, and he lifted up one of the corners, and it flipped over Roman Reigns who was in the ring it was kind of funny 
but it was like, wow, this is an amazing visual right now. You never, it's like, so I've never amazing, seen that I ever. Can't, can't so uh, three big, been to three big WWE events and they've all had like some crazy OMG moment at it. So like, that's kind of cool. So isn't that the whole point? Shouldn't there be nothing but OMG moments? Because it's entertainment, not real. Yeah, I mean, it's entertainment, but like, you know, sometimes they don't, you don't see that type of crazy OMG moment. Like, you know, you got to save the big surprises for like the bigger shows. And we just happen to be at the bigger shows that have had like some of the biggest surprises in the last 10 years. So it's been very lucky. So, uh, all right. Evan, we talked about games we've seen as fans. What about games you've seen? Whether you've been a photographer or a writer or whatever you're doing media-wise at a game. What's some of your most memorable uh, games that you've covered? Uh, Shooting photos for Florida. It was Florida-Miami. That first game, that week zero game. Uh, It was in 2018? Yes. 2019. Yes, 2019. 2019. It was in 2019. And that was a close game. Went down to the wire. Probably shouldn't have been as close as it was. No, no. Florida should have taken it to them. But yeah. hey, it's week zero, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, being in an environment like that, that was cool. A lot of famous. Both Florida and Miami alumni on both sides, like on the sidelines. Like, you're just, like, walking past, like, Michael Irvin and Warren Sapp and stuff like that. I mean, that, I mean, that was pretty cool. Obviously, the college game day people were there as well. So, that was, I mean, that was a cool experience getting to uh, be a part of that. Um I would say the Fiesta Bowl this last year was cool, covering Notre Dame. Lost to Oklahoma State, but it was a really good game, 37-35. It was cool to be able to go out there and experience a high-end bowl, a New Year's Six Bowl, everything it has to offer as far as that. All that storyline, too, with Marcus Freeman, Brian Kelly leaving, all that stuff. It was a really intriguing, and they looked like they were the best team of all time in the first half. So Yeah, and then uh, kind of collapsed in the second half, but good game nonetheless um i really think the northridge new prairie semi-state game last year was really good it's on my list too yeah 2014 20 to 14 northridge wins they advanced the state because of it and obviously that uh pass from tag got to uh, jethro settler is going to go down and you know history for the raiders obviously yes. um I thought that the Northwood-Leo game from 2021, the regional final, was a great game. I know Northwood didn't get what they wanted, but yeah. uh, they were down double digits and really came back and fought and put themselves right in the position where they could have uh, won and gone to semi-state. So that that's a game that I remember because just the circumstances and the comeback and whatnot, yeah. obviously. That was an amazing contest, and yeah, the ending obviously will be talked about forever. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but you, you kind of forget the comeback that led to that ending. So, right, can't forget that. Everyone's focused on the one moment, but they really fought tooth and nail against a team we watched earlier in the day, like just destroy Mississippi. Yeah. And we're like, this team has no with Northwood <laughs> yeah. has no shot. I think we all thought Northwood was like, yep, yeah, we're just we're just waiting six hours to watch Northwood get pummeled, and then they almost won it. So. Yeah. Arguably should have won it, but that's another story for another day. Uh, Fairfield Frankton, girls basketball, semi-state. That was a good game this past year. Mm-hmm. Without Brooks Sanchez, didn't matter. They put themselves in a position to you know, go to state. Uh, had a chance at the end to maybe get a 
better shot off than what they did, but uh, didn't work out that way. Last possession went the way Brody Garber probably didn't want it to go, obviously, and they end up not getting a decent shot off, end up losing. But to be in that position, having lost one of their most important players on a roster that isn't overly deep was impressive for me to see them you know, even be in that position to begin with. So, mm-hmm. there's some good games right there. It's a lot of good games. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of I got a lot on my list. So, one of them that we covered together, Notre Dame Rutgers NCAA tournament game this past March. Yeah, uh, that's that game was obviously that's a crazy game. Yeah, we were. I was actually talking about that with our friend Dylan Sin, a former guest on this podcast. Believe it or not, from last year, hard to remember he was on, but yeah. I was talking about him. We kind of randomly got on that game last last night, two nights ago. And I was like looking at the box score again, and I was like, "How the heck did Notre Dame win this game? Like they didn't win any. Like they were they Rutgers shot better than them from three. Like they had more free throw attempts. They had like it was like Rutgers pretty much dominated almost all the stats you need to dominate to win, and Notre Dame just found a way. Like it was crazy, uh, you know. And obviously the. The endings, the endings of the regulation and the overtime and the second overtime, like all of them were nuts. So like that was fun too. Like just a lot of drama and that game was a lot of fun. Um, and then they win the round of sixty-four game, and right? then they almost and they almost beat Texas Tech in the second game. So yeah, Sweet Sixteen that would have been crazy. Would have been the Sweet Sixteen Notre Dame Fighting Irish. That would have been unexpected. That? Yeah, pretty much I would say. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. So some of the other Notre Dame games that I've covered that I've been lucky. Uh, Notre Dame football, the Michigan season opener in 2018 was electric. Uh, game day was there in the morning, Saturday night game. Michigan was uh, – Notre Dame, they were both ranked. Mich- Notre Dame scores two touchdowns in the first five minutes, and it looks like they're going like to run away. Michigan chips back, you know, the lead throughout the night, almost has a chance to win at the end. I was on the field for, like, the last couple minutes of the game. You could just feel the energy. It was amazing. That game was a lot of fun. I mean, for your first Notre Dame game, that's, that's pretty good. Pretty good start, you know. Uh, and then Notre Dame-Clemson 2020 Part 1 at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, overtime victory for the Irish. Uh, just an incredible game. Or double overtime victory for the Irish. Sorry. Crazy game. 46-40. Uh, Kyrod Williams' first play of the game. Touchdown run. It was like, whoa, like here's Notre Dame. And then DJ Uyunglele playing in for Trevor Lawrence. Like... He played well. The game went back and forth. Just an amazing play after amazing play from both teams. Uh, I wish they had a full crowd. That would have been so awesome if we had a full crowd for that one. But 10,000 students still made a lot of noise. Uh, Notre Dame won dramatic fashion. Just an incredible game, like start to finish. Uh, Those were a lot of fun. Um, I've got a couple. So before I covered high school sports here, I covered high school sports. Uh, for my hometown paper back when I was in high school. There's a couple. I just wanted to throw quick, two quick shout-outs to those games. Edwin's rolling his eyes. I, <laughs> I swear to God, this will be quick. <laughs> Manuka football, 2010, beat Plainfield South 41-36 in a playoff game. We were down 18-0 after the first quarter and came back and won dramatically at the end. It was awesome. Probably the best high school football game I've still covered. The, the, the Northridge uh, New Prairie one's up there, too, but... It was just an unbel- the unbelievable comeback we had. And then my high school, my senior year, we won softball state championship. And in the state title game, we broke three state records. Um, so that was pretty cool. And we hit we had a walk-off home run to win by the mercy rule. So that was kind of cool. So 
walk off mercy real walk off mercy real homer yeah you don't see that often anyway and then a couple more from here because i'm just going to give shout outs to their fairfield volleyball 2020 semi-state match even though they lost was unbelievable uh five set thriller they should they they won the first two sets wapahani won the next three crazy match crazy game westview boys soccer state title game last year was unbelievable down the last they were down 2-1 with 90 seconds left they scored to tie it go to overtime win it in overtime just absolutely the whole run was insane but that state game was almost just the perfect like cherry on top for that incredible run that they went on uh and then uh maybe the best individual performance i ever saw was in a football game in 2018 bronson yoder for northwood sectional semifinal against east noble quarterback by the way he's quarterback but he played pretty much running back uh, rushed for 337 yards and three touchdowns. He had one passing touchdown, and on defense, he had two interceptions. They won 40, uh, 45 to 35. So he, they needed him to do everything that night. They almost would have lost. Um, he had a run. I forgot if it was. I thought, I thought it was a kickoff return, but maybe it wasn't. Where like he looked like he was about to be tackled by like three people. At least, and he somehow squirmed out of the. And he somehow and teleported. It was like insane. It really no, like it looked like that. It seriously looked like that. And he bolted down the field for like a long gain or a touchdown. It was like the most, like how did he do that moment? And then, yeah, so that was an unbelievable uh, game. I remember a performance. East Noble, you know, they were down big kind of early, but they came back and they made it close. And and then Bronson just took over like. It was unbelievable. He he was incredible that season. Uh, finished fourth in the Mister Indiana football voting, you know, and they they fell in the sectional final to an undefeated Angola. It was eleven and zero versus eleven and zero sectional final. Angola got him by one point in Angola. So, you know, tough way to end that season. But man, Bronson Yoder, he was so much fun to watch that year. So, that's it. Anything else? Have anyone add? No. Did you like my Manuka High School shout-outs in there? No. No? You didn't like my Manuka High School stuff? No. Come on, man. Go Indians. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, man. They should change their name. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, so that's this week's podcast. Went longer than I think we thought it was going to, but that's okay. Uh, we'll be back next week talking more sports. We'll have more sports maybe to preview a little bit. Probably not, maybe. Some Notre Dame talk, maybe. And Notre Dame camp starts Friday. Yeah, it's very exciting. So, uh... See you then.